0: You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby.
1: Today, we're going to introduce a new recurring topic, favorites. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Sarah, what's been happening with you?
0: The most exciting thing that's been happening is I am planning a trip away. The last time that I spent time away from both kids was when I went to visit you right before Plum was born this time last year. Mm -hmm. And I've been chatting with a friend of ours from our virtual book club and we are going to celebrate our birthdays together in Nashville, which is where she lives. We're planning a trip in between her birthday and my birthday, which are about a month apart. And I'm just feeling really excited about getting to spend some quality time with her and catching up with some other friends that live in Nashville. And it's fun to go on trips like that, but it's also really fun to plan trips like that. Mm-hmm. So it was something I had I'd mentioned it to her in passing when we got together back in Missouri over Christmas. And then she said, OK, I'm looking at my schedule. What day are we going to do this? And I thought, oh, good. We're really making it happen. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. How about you? What's been happening with you? Well, the most exciting thing is that our dear friends who live here in Raleigh had a baby on Sunday. So that was really awesome. They had a baby boy. And we're coming up on Plum's birthday She'll be a year at the beginning of February, a year old, and watching our dear friends go through this and visiting with them and supporting them as they do it. At first, I felt almost jealous that we don't have a baby that little anymore, and it's so exciting to start out, but it's not easy to have a brand new person and figuring out feeding the baby and... There's a lot of worry that's involved in having a baby that little and you don't sleep much. So now it's more that I'm I'm looking back fondly on when Plum was that little,
0: but also feeling really thankful that she's about to be a year old because she's really fun. I remember having very similar feelings when Plum was born because mm-hmm. E was a little bit over a year then and like yeah. seeing the pictures and just really feeling that, yeah, there's something really special about a brand new baby. But at the same time, being really happy with where we were with our family. Mm -hmm. I'm in that exact place of
1: feeling that. And I feel, I don't know if you feel like this, Sarah, but since I had a baby, I feel much more emotional about when new babies are born, especially new babies that are born to people that I love so well. Yes. That it just feels like such this big, huge thing. And my heart just feels really open and kind of raw about it. I can relate to that. Okay, now let's move on to talk about what we've been reading.
0: Sarah, what have you been reading? So I finished this book about a month ago, but haven't gotten a chance to talk about it here on the podcast. And I took your recommendation and read Scarlet by Alexandra Ripley. Mm -hmm. I was excited to continue the story because I had such fun reading Gone with the Wind. And I was a little disappointed by the ending in Gone with the Wind, the one that I'm sure everybody else already knows, and I didn't know when I was reading it. Right. So I was really glad to have a more happy conclusion, and that felt very satisfying to me as a reader. Mm -hmm. I was impressed with how similar in style they were, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it felt like it was as long as it was to be the same length as Gone with the Wind, (laughs) And that there were large sections of it that could have been cut out or that I was ready to get through to get to the conclusion. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. And I don't know if it was partly, it's just so long to get through. And I loved Gone with the Wind so much that going through the the second time, it paled a little bit in comparison, I guess, Mm -hmm. that I didn't have quite the same magic as reading the first one. I was still glad that I did it. And it was fun to just be back with the characters again. What did you think of it? It's been a really long time
1: since I read Scarlet, and I think I only read it once. I've read Gone with the Wind multiple times, but I think I only read Scarlet one time, and that was enough. What you said about magic is really accurate for me, too. It doesn't quite have the same sparkle. It feels a lot more like you're sort of trudging through an epic book rather than, you know, really excited to turn the pages and see what was happening, which is how I feel about Gone with the Wind or how I have. The past times that I've read it.
0: And the conclusion felt very rushed to me, like that we were going through and there were so many sections that I thought could have been trimmed down. And then when we got to the end where I thought, wait, what? How did that happen? And it was within about 10 pages that everything wrapped up. So I wish that that part had been expanded and some other parts had been shortened. Yeah. I'm still glad that I read it. What have you been reading lately?
1: I've been reading Catastrophic Happiness by Catherine Newman. and. This is kind of like a parenting memoir, but it's also humor. And Catherine Newman is an author that I have been familiar with for a long time because she wrote another parenting memoir that's humorous that I love called Waiting for Birdie. Have you read that
0: one? I did. You recommended it to me. I think I read that right before E was born.
1: Okay. Anyway, I really love her. And she also has a blog that I follow regularly. And I just find her to be really sort of wry and funny, and at the same time capture the really poignant and wonderful things about parenting. So I'm actually listening to it in an audiobook format, and it's her reading it, which is really fun. I love it when authors read their own memoir and essay type things. And I was listening to it earlier today, and I was just laughing so hard I was crying. It was was really fun. So I'm not finished yet, but I think that I would recommend it.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. I'm going to try and put that one on my list. Now we're going
1: to talk about our favorite things in four different categories. The first category today
0: is TV shows. Sarah, what are your favorite TV shows? If I had to pick my favorite shorter TV shows, I would pick The Office and Parks and Rec. And those are two shows that Neil and I watch together. We have pretty different taste when it comes to TV shows. So Mm. it's hard to find something that we both really want to watch. Mm -hmm. And the Office and Parks Parks and Rec we have both enjoyed so much. The Office we're almost constantly watching it. Not every night, but we're constantly going through the seasons. Somewhere like right in, now, the in the cycle, final season, of rewatching. Yeah, yeah. Parks and Rec we've only gone through one time, but I think it is a show that we could rewatch together mm-hmm. in the future. Yeah, Parks and Rec is one of my
1: favorite shows, and it's one where Andrew and I don't watch it through an order, but we have certain favorite shows, Mm -hmm. like favorite episodes of Parks and Rec that we like to watch specifically. I also like that show because my best friend from high school was once an extra on it when she lived in LA, which
0: was really fun. That is fun. One thing that I didn't like about Parks and Rec was the character of Gary. I don't know what you guys thought about that going through. Oh, yeah. Jerry Gary. Yeah. I found that really not humorous, and I didn't really get it. And I found so much of the rest of the show just really hilarious. I just really enjoyed it. And then that part, it always felt off to me, and that I didn't didn't quite get it.
1: Yeah, I don't love that either. Because basically, I mean, the humor in it is supposed to be that they're just being mean to him.
0: Yeah. All the
1: time. I don't care for it either. But it doesn't ruin the show for me, for sure.
0: And the longer shows that I really loved are... The Gilmore Girls was one that I loved in college and the years immediately after. I started watching it when it was coming out. So Mm -hmm. the main character, Rory, was the same year in school that I was as I was watching it. And it was also one that was really comforting to me while I was studying abroad. Mm. And it was something that I had the discs then and would just rewatch those over and over. And when I was feeling lonely. It was just really comforting to me. And there were some other girls that were also really enjoyed the Gilmore Girls and we would watch it together. Mm. And then my mom and I also talked about it, that she watched it too. And we enjoyed that show. So that's one that feels very nostalgic to me. Sort of like a comfort show a little bit, it sounds like. It is. And then My more recent longer show that I love is The Good Wife. Yes, I love that one too. That is on my list of favorites. That is another one that my mom turned me on to. So she mentioned it right when it came out that she was saying that she thought it was going to be a really interesting show. So I started watching it maybe on the second season. I caught up and then started watching. And I just loved it. I thought it was so smart and thought-provoking and the characters were really interesting Mm -hmm. and such strong female characters, Mm -hmm. which you'd think would be something we'd see more of and you really don't. Strong female characters, but also complicated. So
1: not just female heroes, right? Yeah. They're all good and bad, just like real people.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of moral ambiguity
1: in the show. Yeah. Yeah. You had been telling us for years to watch The Good Wife, and my dad had also been recommending it for years. And we sort of fell down the rabbit hole and like binge watched a whole lot of it to the point where we were waiting for the final season to come to Amazon Prime so that we could stream it um, because we had caught up enough not to watch it as it was happening. But I mean, I agree with a lot of the things you said. I just love that the female characters especially have relationships with with each other that don't involve men. Yeah. And there are several ones like that sort of throughout the series, like several pairs of female characters that engage on their own absent of influence or even subject matter that has to do with men. And I think it's just really unusual. So, that was one of my favorite things about it. And I also as someone who is mostly an at-home parent right now, I really identified with Alicia having done that her whole life. And I think my situation is really different, but the challenges that she faced in
0: re-entering the workforce
1: were ones that I felt sort of advanced sympathetic to.
0: Her thought process around Having stayed home seemed to evolve throughout the show, too, Mm -hmm. and that she was dealing with her own feelings about why she left the workforce and was that the right decision and all of the implications there.
1: Yeah, I like it. So, without giving too much away for people who maybe haven't watched the show, what did you think of its ending? Were
0: you satisfied mostly, is what I'm asking. I was satisfied. Did you read any? Like things from the creators afterwards or anything? Or did you just watch it? I think that we just watched it.
1: I may go back and read, though. If you read good interviews and things, I think that could be really fascinating.
0: I feel like reading some of what their thought process was helped give me the closure that I needed for that series. Hmm. So I was very surprised by the way that it ended. Mm -hmm. And I still have a lot of questions about it that were not answered. But overall, I'm okay with how it ended. What did you think? I was satisfied with the ending. Other folks that I've talked to who
1: have watched it were not satisfied. They didn't like the ending, but I liked it. I thought that it was really fitting based on sort of the tenor of the show all the way through. Yeah. And I think that it's not giving too much away to say this, but it doesn't wrap up in a neat, tidy package. And I think that's consistent with the complicated nature of the characters in the show all the way along. I agree. So we talked about Parks and Rec. We talked about The Good Wife. Those were two on my list. And then our final show that Andrew and I love and watch together that we are in the midst of a a full rewatch right now is The West Wing. And I just love it so much. And I know that people make fun of Aaron Sorkin because he puts the same dialogue in all of his shows and the same bleeding heart liberal messages. But I am his target audience and I love it. So we first watched the West Wing all the way through three or four years ago, and I think this is our first total rewatch. We have watched certain episodes over again, but for how crazy things are politically in the United States right now, it's really nice to have the escapism of the West Wing to go to a place where the president is Jed Bartlett and... He has lovely, smart advisors, and they seem like good people and like they're trying to do the right thing. I mean, for for me, The West Wing does feel like a comfort show.
0: See, I think it would be hard for me to watch that show right now, that when you said that you were watching it Mm -hmm. currently, I think it would feel too raw to me in some ways. Yeah. Uh, Neil and I, that's a show we watched together as well, and we did it Mm -hmm. in grad school, And it was something that people had recommended to me while we were at Hendrix. And I just thought, I'm not going to be interested in that. And then when we started watching it, we were very into it. I'm curious what I would think now, though. The first time that I watched it, and I've probably watched that whole series twice. And both times, I think I was fairly unquestioning and just accepted it as what it was. Mm -hmm. Since then, did you ever watch The Newsroom? also by Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, I don't know that we've watched all the seasons of that that there are, but we have definitely watched some of it. Okay, there's only three seasons. But I find his treatment of women to be, considering how, as you described it, bleeding heart liberal, a lot of his issues are, Mm -hmm. I found his women characters to be very flat and very reliant on men.
1: No, that's a great point. And it's in sharp contrast to The Good Wife, where they're so dimensional and so well-rounded and like filled out that the women characters are really fantastic. But you're right. And really, diversity-wise, there's not a lot happening there either.
0: Yeah. But I still, we loved that show when we went through. I just think I might feel differently about it now than I did even just five years ago, for sure. Okay. Let's move on to our next favorites category, which is cheese. Sarah, what's your favorite cheese? I would say right now, my favorite cheeses are telagio, which is a washed rind cheese and it's semi-soft so you can do like the slices and it holds together Mm. really well but the rind tastes so delicious and then the inside's really it's creamy but it's firm it's not creamy like a brie or something it smells really strong but it has a really mild flavor Hmm. so that's one of my favorites and the kids both really like it too which is always hard. I want to expand their palates and I want them to enjoy good cheese. Mm -hmm. But also when I do buy good cheese, which I don't all that often, I don't want to share because I just want (laughs) to eat it all myself. I love it. I do share with my children, but I do so a little bit grudgingly when it comes to delicious cheese. That's fair.
1: I've definitely not eaten things that I didn't want Plum to see. Like I've waited till she takes her nap to eat what I want to eat so that she's not like, huh, huh, give me a bite. Yep. That only increases as time goes on, I would say. I saw that when we were visiting you. I was so impressed by how willingly you gave your children your food.
0: I remember you commenting on that.
1: I was like, no,
0: that's hers. She wants to eat that herself. (laughs) I think there's definitely been a growth process with that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The other cheese I really love is Formage Daffinois, which you can just buy. I get mine at Kroger usually. And same with a the Taleggio, They're both really standard cheeses in the, the cheese counter area. And this one is a, it's similar to Brie, but it's so much creamier that mm. most Bries that you get, especially at the grocery store, are really rubbery and mm-hmm. not very delicious. Where this one is, it's a double cream soft cheese and mm. it's just has a really nice mild flavor and then it's so, so creamy really good and neil likes that one too and he doesn't love strong flavored cheeses or cheeses that smell really strong Mm -hmm. and this is one that he enjoys as well and the kids of course
1: yeah so my favorite cheese is called saint angel and it is a triple creme french cheese so i was reading about it today in preparation for this because i didn't really know what triple creme was but apparently they filter the milk in a certain way so that only the most tasty bits are put into the cheese. And then they add cream on top of that. So that's the third cream. I mean, to me, it just tastes basically like eating butter. Yeah. And it does have a rind, but the rind is really mildly flavored. And, I'm, and I eat it, too. So I love that one. And you can probably find it. I mean, they have it at our grocery co-op. And I've seen it at Whole Foods before, but I'm not sure if I've seen it at more normal, regular grocery stores.
0: Is it one of the ones that comes in like a little box with the cheese then inside of it? It's not in a box.
1: When you see it uncut, it's a big square, actually. It kind of looks like Mm. a small square cake. And then normally how they sell it is that they cut it into quarters, but they cut an X across the middle so that the quarters aren't square, they're triangles.
0: I think I have seen this at our Kroger. Oh, good. I will check next time I'm there and get myself some. I first had this cheese
1: um, when we lived in Nashville, and a friend served it with a fig jam and a really delicious
0: like nutty cracker, and I've been hooked ever since. That sounds like a great way to have cheese. Yeah, fantastic. And for me, cheese is one of those things, like buying these kind of specialty cheeses. I love to do that, like on our anniversary or for my birthday, or if I'm just feeling like I'm having a really hard time, it's like, oh, I'll just get some delicious cheese. An awesome way to treat yourself for all of those occasions. And I mean, and that's the only time
1: that we have this really fancy one is usually I get it for guests for an appetizer Mm -hmm. because it really impresses people because it's so delicious. My next favorite cheese is actually a category of cheese in and of itself, and that's smoked cheese. And I have been getting, it's sort of like smoked Gouda from Trader Joe's and putting that into the macaroni and cheese that I mentioned a couple episodes ago. So it creates this like smoky macaroni and cheese, but I also have had smoked cheddars that I really love. I just love the smokiness combined with like fatty, salty deliciousness of cheese.
0: Do you like that in things or do you also eat it plain? I also eat it plain. Okay. And Plum loves it. I slice it up and just
1: give it give it to her in little sort of cheese sticks.
0: Yeah, smoked cheese is not my favorite to eat plain, but I think I would like it in the mac and cheese.
1: And I don't do only that cheese in the mac and cheese. I do smoked cheese along with, you know, a regular cheddar or a sharp cheddar or something else. Yeah. Because I do think... That, it can be, that the smokiness can be overpowering if that's all that is going on. Let's move on to our next category,
0: which is games. Sarah, what are your favorite games? So in general, my favorite games are card games. And Neil's family plays a lot of card games. It's not that I didn't play them growing up, but I would say I have increased the amount of time I play them since joining his family. And my favorite card game is Euchre, which we love to play with anyone, but we most love to play with a couple that we're friends with from college. And whenever we're together, that is, we'll play several rounds of Euchre together. And we used to keep a running tally going of who was ahead across the years, but I think we have since lost track. Will you say a little bit about what Euchre is for people who haven't played it? Sure. It's a four-person card game, and it's a trick taking game. So um, you're working with a partner and you sit across from each other and then you're looking at your hand, trying to assess whether or not you think that you can get three out of the five tricks. And so you go around bidding and eventually one person decides they're going to try and get it. So the goal is either to be getting the three tricks or stopping the other Team from getting three tricks. And then you're trying to play to 10 points. And you don't use the whole deck, right? Right. You just use high cards. I think it's nine and up that you use. It's taking me right back
1: because I learned to play euchre when I was younger, like early teens, I think from my
0: dad. And then I used to play it online with my grandma. Oh. The other card game that I really like is more of a large group game, and it's called I Want It. And this is a game that Neil's family plays whenever everybody gets together. And I think now I probably like playing it more than Neil does. <laughs> I don't think it is his favorite <laughs> card game, but I really like it. And it's one where you're, you have to use multiple decks and there's, I think, I can't remember how many hands there are, maybe six hands, but you start trying to get you know two sets and then the next time around you're trying to get a set and a run and the next mm-hmm. time it's two runs. So every time you're you know, doing one more card. And you're trying to be the first person to uh, to get rid of all your cards every time, and then there's penalties for the cards still left in your hand and you can play with a lot of people you can you just have to keep adding decks. there gets to be a certain number where it feels like there's too many people to really have a successful game mm-hmm. and part of the game is that you're you know when a card gets discarded, if you want that card, you say, "I want it and if you're the first person to say "I want it," and the next person in whose turn it is doesn't want the card, then you can take that card and a penalty card. Mm. So when there's a lot of people, it gets really hard because there's so many people looking at what the discard is and trying to yell for it, especially in the later hands when Mm -hmm. you're trying to get like the last hand is you want four runs of four cards. Oh my gosh. And so it's, it's really hard to get that. And everybody needs very specific cards. And everyone's yelling. Yeah. I don't know. I would say the ideal number is probably six six to eight Mm -hmm. for that game okay but it's a lot of fun and then one game that neil and i there's so many games we kind of go through phases with games where we'll be really into one game for a while and then we'll move on to something else and when we first started dating and we're in grad school it was boggle Mm -hmm. and we used to play boggle all the time and neil is quite good at boggle and i was quite terrible at boggle when we started Mm -hmm. But I'm also very stubborn. And competitive, right? Yes, I am both of those things. (laughs) (laughs) But I also enjoy playing games. Like, it doesn't bother me that I was losing. I wanted, it made me want to keep playing more Mm -hmm. so I could get better and beat him. Yeah, Boggle was one that we used to play a lot of. Then we've gone through some other games. He made a little cribbage board a while ago, and we were into that for about six months that we played cribbage regularly.
1: I've never played cribbage, I don't think.
0: Yeah, we were on a train ride and we were playing cards and somebody came up and asked us if we wanted to learn how to play cribbage and then they taught us how to play cribbage and we all played cribbage together. That's so
1: fun that that happened to y'all on a train. Yeah. How about you? What are you you guys playing these days? We have a lot of games that we like and I didn't even put any card games on here, but we have a big family card game that we really like called Ohal. That's a trick-taking game. And it's called Oh Hell because it can be really frustrating. But the, the one that I, one of the games that I wanted to talk about is one that we just got for Christmas. And this one was inspired by Kelsey Wharton because she and her husband play this game which is called Quicks, which is a dice game. And I grew up playing dice games. So we played Yahtzee a lot when I was young. Mm-hmm. But Quicks is, is awesome. It's even simpler, but it has specific scorecards. And it's actually really great for two players. And it's really great because each role, there's a public role that you can count. So everybody pays attention to everybody else's turn. It's not just like you're playing for yourself. It's like you might have the opportunity to claim the public role. So that one's really fun. It does involve a lot of uh, quick addition. So it's not the best for drinking, which we learned. (laughs) At least not heavy drinking. If you can still do addition when you've had you know, a glass or two of wine, you'll probably be fine. But it's it's hard. It gets harder the more you
0: have to drink, as most things do, really. Neil and I got that in November when we were in Missouri. My parents were watching the kids. And so we went on a date and we got that game and sat out in a public garden area they had and played that. So I really love it. I enjoy it. Do you feel like you like it more playing with just one person or playing with a larger group? I can see it both ways. I think that
1: The game tends to be longer with more people, at least that's in my limited experience because we just got it for Christmas, so we haven't even really been playing it for that long. Um, And so in some ways that's good, but I also like sort of the intensity of just having one other person. I like that too. Another of my favorite games, which I mean to say that it's a favorite is maybe not really fair because I only have played it before. The week after Christmas this year where I was with family and my cousin brought it It's called Splendor, and it's a game that has tokens and cards that you lay out, and it also is a strategy game about trying to collect things, but it's really great as a two-player game, and then we also tried it once as a three-player game, and it was good then too, but I feel like I am maybe just in a phase of life where I'm excited about really great two-person games, and so I was really excited about Splendor, and we don't even have it yet. I think that I'm going to ask for it maybe for my birthday. Um, so that Andrew and I can play it at home, but I really loved it when I played it with family after Christmas,
0: yeah, it feels hard to find really good two player games, two and three player games it seems are more challenging to find, yeah, like there's so many four player card games that I really love mm-hmm. that don't translate well when they're downsized, yeah, even if you are able
1: to do that, yeah, absolutely, so the last game that I wanted to mention is a board game, and it is a cooperative board game and it's called Pandemic. And sort of the goal of the game is to work together with the other players to fight outbreaks of disease, which are sort of symbolized by little tokens on the board. And everybody gets a role card. So based on whatever their role is, you know, the character has a certain uh, ability or skill that they contribute to the game. So everybody has a different one of those. And I hadn't played a cooperative board game before I played Pandemic, we didn't grow up playing cooperative board games. I don't mind competitive board games, and I think I am a pretty competitive person, but it's really fun sometimes to, to work together.
0: Have you played a lot of other cooperative board games, or is that the main one that you've played?
1: That's the one I have played the most, and it's one that we own, but I have played others. Our friends in Nashville, so I mentioned um, my friend before who got me into the comic saga, Those friends are also really into board games and have gone to board game conventions and played new games that are coming out and pay attention to things like Kickstarters where new games are getting crowdfunded, which is really fun. So I have been exposed to a lot of things through him. Another cooperative one that we played recently with them is called Meteor, and that game is awesome because every single play of it only takes five minutes, and you're not allowed to talk during it, but you still have to cooperate to stop a meteor from crashing into earth. So that's another one that's really fun.
0: Yeah, I've played Pandemic, and then there was another um, cooperative card game called Hanabi oh, that yeah. I played at a church game night, and that was really fun.
1: We got Hanabi for Christmas.
0: Oh, Yeah. Well, next time we're together, we should play that. Oh, I would love it. We'll bring it to our college reunion in April. Oh yeah. That'll be perfect. So yeah, it was a concept that I had never even heard of a cooperative board game before a couple years ago. Yeah. When we visited some friends and they pulled out pandemic.
1: Yes, very recent for us as well.
0: Yeah. And I know there's a lot of kids cooperative board games. And so I'm interested in exploring those a little more. Our neighbors are really into board games and like you're describing with being in the know about mm-hmm. new games that are coming out. Yeah. And she said that they have several games for young children. And I think some of those are cooperative.
1: It seems like a good way to get into playing where you're, it's us versus the game rather than us versus each other.
0: Yeah. I think it seems good in theory, but I also really. I mean, maybe it's just I'm a competitive person. I <laughs> like the competitive nature of games. Yeah. And so it, I don't want to say that it's taking the fun out of it, because I had a lot of fun playing both Hanabi and Pan- Pandemic when I played them. But I don't know. I'm not sure what my, what my stance is on those.
1: Well, for me, I like both. I think there's a place for both competitive and cooperative. I like that both exist in the world.
0: I like that both exist. And like as, as an adult, I definitely enjoy playing both. But when I think about, like, I hear about cooperative games so much more for children versus for adults. Mm. And maybe that is not true, but I want HP and E to learn how to lose gracefully. Oh, yeah. And to have fun playing the game because it's fun. And even if you don't win, it's still fun to play. And we've been talking about that with HP, just playing Candyland, that he was saying, I really want to win. I really hope I'm the one that wins. I like it the best when I win. I don't want you to win (laughs) as we're going through, which is fine. You know, he's four and a half. And it's like, yeah, you know, he's telling us that he wants to win. It's like, well, well, we want to win, too. So but it's just fun (laughs) to play the game. Because
1: it's not very rewarding (laughs) to play that.
0: No. And it takes a really long time. It does. He had a little friend over the other day and they played together, which was perfect. Yes.
1: <laughs> then so. You don't have to be involved in that. Yes. So I actually have a bonus game recommendation for you, Sarah, that was created by, I think, dads who were sick of playing Candyland. Mm-hmm. They created it. It's a card game. It's called Flapjacks and Sasquatches. And they created it to be simple enough for younger kids to play, but interesting enough to not bore the pants off their parents. So that's a really fun one. And that's another one that our friends in Nashville introduced us to. Okay, I'll look into it. All right, let's move on to our final category of favorites for today, which is secondhand wins. And maybe we should talk a little bit about what this category is first.
0: Well, we both love finding things used. And there is so much. We love it yeah. so much. And you've talked before about how you love finding the right thing, mm-hmm. like the perfect right thing. Yes. And I I think I feel that a little bit less, especially in terms of, of new things, because I find reading reviews and researching things to be completely overwhelming. And I start getting really frustrated when it's taking up a lot of my time. Mm, I'm the exact opposite. I actually really love it. But go ahead. That's why I like for you to research things and just tell me your conclusions. Turns out a lot
1: of people feel like that. I've told a lot of people a lot
0: of things that I've learned.
1: And because I love to share my opinions, it's a win win for everyone.
0: <laughs> but I feel really strongly with when I find something used that feeling of satisfaction mm-hmm. of having both found the thing that I'm looking for And to be paying a small fraction of the price and then getting use from it when somebody else isn't getting use from it, Mm -hmm. just all of those things combined feels magical. So satisfying. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so
1: Sarah, what's your favorite secondhand win?
0: So I think one of my favorites is the shelf we use to hold the kids' toys. And it is a long wooden shelf. It's maybe seven feet long. Mm -hmm. And it's not very tall. It's only two shelves high. And so it's perfect for kids' toys because they can reach everything. But then there's still a decent amount of space for it.
1: And it's not dangerous to knock it over or anything like that.
0: Right. It's not painted. It's just plain wood. And we found it when we were living in Austin and we found it before we had kids. We just used it as our bookshelf mm-hmm. and it was about a block and a half away from our apartment complex and there's a church on the corner there and they just had it out on the curb with a free sign on it that they were getting rid of it. I love it. Found free things. So awesome. Yes. Yes. Especially when it's just what you're looking for, which when we moved to Austin, we just didn't have very much furniture. So we really needed a shelf for our apartment. So it's it was kind of an awkward shape because it's really long. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think I was home at the time because I was not part of bringing this into our apartment at all. <laughs> he did it
1: himself.
0: Yeah. And so Neil ha- has carried... We have lots of things, like he biked home with a table, like <laughs> carrying a kitchen table on the bike, which probably sounds very dangerous. Sounds amazing. <laughs> it's only a few blocks. But this one, he got I found a skateboard at a garage sale that he bought because he brought that home. And I thought, why do you need a skateboard? <laughs> he does not skateboard. Well, it was to move things around. So he took the skateboard that he had gotten expressly for this purpose, <laughs> had the foresight to know that we would find the perfect shelf, and then put the shelf long ways onto the skateboard mm-hmm. and then kind of walked it, rolled it home. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> walked home while it rolled home and then brought it into to our lives. And you've had it ever since? We have. It's one of the pieces of furniture we've had the longest. So, my second-hand win is the Upper Baby
1: Vista stroller. And I've said this before, but a huge part of my nesting was finding the exact right thing for baby gear and doing tons of research. And then once I had the thing that I settled on, I set
0: up Craigslist alerts for everything that I wanted. Those are the best. I found so many good things by using Craigslist alerts.
1: And it's from you that I learned about them. Like, I didn't even know that that was a thing. And for listeners that don't know how it works is you go into your Craigslist account. And then you do a search and then you can save the search and you can set it to where it will send you emails whenever anything with those search terms comes up.
0: And it's especially great if you live in a big city where things go really quickly because when we were in Austin, if something good came up, it was gone in less than an hour all the time. Yeah. So it was really helpful in those cases.
1: That makes sense. And I haven't really used them before, like, this specific instance when I was looking for a lot of used baby gear with specific names. But anyway, I wanted this stroller but knew it is, like, $900 or something. That's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. That's probably worth more than our car is worth at this <laughs> point based on how old our car is. So I set up a Craigslist alert for up a baby Vista stroller and then one came up and it was older, like a 2010,
0: but it had all the parts. So it had the toddler seat and the bassinet and the frame was in good shape. Yeah. Why don't you talk about why you picked that one? Like why it was considered the best? Because I had never heard about it before.
1: There were a lot of reasons. I mean, one was Amazon reviews. So the reviews were really fantastic. Also, this website called Baby Gear Lab recommended it. Also, this website called Lucy's List recommended it. The other thing that I was excited about it was that it did have this bassinet attachment. So I wanted to be able to have a detachable bassinet because we bought a convertible car seat instead of an infant car seat. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to have something that Plum could hang out in if we were in like a restaurant or the movies.
0: Yeah, especially because you guys walk so many places.
1: Makes sense. We do. We walk basically everywhere that we go to restaurants in our town. So I was really excited about that. I mean, there are a lot of great things about the stroller. One thing is how sturdy it is and how long it lasts. It has really good shocks, which is good if you're like actually doing quite a bit of walking, which we do. And it's really easy to steer with just one hand, which I was excited about for walking the dog. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of reasons that I wanted it. But so I did a Craigslist alert and one came up that was older and the lady had it listed for $75. That's amazing and she basically just wanted to get it out of her house because she had two kids, and so she had a double stroller. She didn't want the single stroller, and she just wanted it gone. Yeah. So I emailed her and set up a time to go to her house and have a look at it, and I got there, and I asked her if she would take 60, and she did. So best secondhand win Yeah. in recent memory. Now let's talk about what we've been eating. I have been making... Black bean enchiladas. And Sarah, this was inspired by your Christmas enchilada tradition. And I have made a lot of enchiladas in my time, but I have never made black bean enchiladas.
0: And black bean enchiladas are the only kind of enchiladas
1: that I make. So it's been really delicious. Just make the black beans in the Instant Pot. And then I use corn tortillas and I mixed up bell peppers and onions that we had left over from something else with a bunch of black beans. And then I grated up a bunch of pepper jack cheese. And so I just took a corn tortilla, dipped it in sauce, and I made sauce too. What kind of sauce do you put in yours, Sarah?
0: I just do red enchilada sauce. I've made a creamy yogurt one before too, but lately I've just been buying enchilada sauce to put on top. Hmm.
1: Do you buy it in a can or in a jar? In a jar from the co-op. Okay. So I made a sauce called chili gravy, which was like a gravy where you make a roux with fat and flour, but then you add a bunch of spices to it. So significant amount of chili powder, garlic, pepper, that kind of stuff. And it turns
0: into sort of a reddish brown gravy. The spices sound similar to the red sauce that we use, Mm -hmm. but it's very much tomato based.
1: Yeah. This one is not tomato based. You add chicken broth to the roux. Okay. Along with all the spices. So dip the corn tortillas in the sauce and then add cheese in the middle and then some of the filling. And then roll them up and pour more sauce over the top, put more cheese on top and bake them. You know, I sort of used to feel like enchiladas were a lot of work, but I am feeling less like that now. Maybe because they're so delicious and it feels worth it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think they're a lot of
0: work? I think they're a decent amount of work, but I like that you can make it earlier in the day and have it ready to go Mm -hmm. or a day before. So in that way, it feels easier. But it does feel like there's a lot of steps and a lot of dishes. Mm,
1: There are definitely a lot of dishes. That is certainly true.
0: But I like that they're so flexible that I don't really follow a recipe with the black bean enchiladas. I just add what we have and it all tastes good.
1: Yeah. Andrew said, these are boss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Husband stamp of approval. Yeah.
1: What have you been eating, Sarah?
0: So I've been eating radishes and radishes are not something that I grew up enjoying. The only kind I'd had were small radishes that you cut up to put on salads.
1: That's the only kind I've had too.
0: Yeah. And they're usually really spicy. And I didn't like the spice as a kid. Now I don't think that would bother me. But we don't eat a lot of salads. So these radishes are large, like more than the size of my fist. And they're purple. Mm. We get them at the farmer's market. And it's one of the cheapest vegetables you can buy at the farmer's market right now. Nice. Probably because most people don't eat giant radishes. Yeah. (laughs) They're only a dollar a pound. So I've been getting a few every week and peel them chop them into little cubes, and then I saute them with butter. I don't know. Have you ever had cooked radishes before?
1: I haven't. My aunt was telling me that I should have them, but she was using the small ones. Oh, interesting.
0: I've done it with the small ones too, but those feel like more work to me. That this is such a large item, it's really easy to dice it, so I appreciate that about it. But really, anything with butter and salt is delicious. But I think it, (laughs) it takes out the bite a little bit and makes it just a little bit sweeter you don't want to cook them too long or it gets a really funky texture.
1: Like what? What's
0: it like? Uh, Just mushy. It just <laughs> tastes mushy and weird. <laughs> so you have to be careful. So I just like mine to get really hot, but then they're still crispy. And I highly recommend it.
1: That sounds delicious.
0: That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. We would so appreciate if you could leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. It gives us valuable feedback and helps other people find the show.
1: If you'd like to join in the conversation or offer suggestions for future topics, you can find us online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram
0: at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. it's you right <laughs> I know I know I just realized it was me but then I was gonna laugh so I needed to take, to take a minute all right oh my god hmm. Hmm. actually okay I'm botching that I'm just gonna start talking <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay I need to get it together yeah sometimes they get um what's the right word for that um. Yeah, tough. I guess. Don't but worry, yeah. friend. This is all outtakes. We'll out. <laughs> We're in out-take
1: territory now. <laughs> Love it. That it could, that it could work pretty well, for an. Um. For a, a sort of middle age, me or uh, what do we call those kids?
0: Not preteens, mm. but. Yeah, middle grade. No, that's not right. <laughs> Elementary age. And I'll just cut that part. <laughs> Problem solved. Just cut it. Just cut it. It's over. All right, moving on. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. The iTunes. <laughs>